Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you to earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you can start... Your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Navy Federal also offers equity loan options to help you get the funds you need to consolidate high interest debt, work on home improvements, or cover any of life's big expenses. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, their members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah, hosting is a lot easier than you might think, and you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Upswell Marketing would like to remind listeners that most people don't belong to two gyms. They don't see two dentists or trust two auto repair shops. So when customers choose your small business over your competitors, they're really choosing you. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads. And in fact, that formula and media mix has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. And new customers receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're discussing socially responsible investing, bad credit cards, and finding diamonds. Yeah, Joe, this is our Friday flight episode, and I feel like we, we need to lead with that Finding Diamonds <laughs> story, because uh, it's kind of random, but it's also pretty amazing, man. Uh, evidently, there is a state park called the Crater of Diamonds State Park. Have you ever heard of it? No, I've never heard of it. So evidently, it is the only place in the United States where you can like find diamonds, you know, like you do in other countries, I think. I don't know. South Africa. Like you do in other countries? What do you mean by that? <laughs> well, like there's diamond production isn't a, a huge thing in the U.S. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That's not my impression, at least. And so, and I think I read it. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pretty sure this is the only place in the U.S. where you can find diamonds. And it's, I'm pretty sure the only place in the entire world where it's open to the public to just show up and you can find your own diamonds. Sort of like when you go apple picking up at the orchard, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like whatever you pick, you keep, you know, diving for 
diamonds. Uh, so it's finders keepers, man. Yeah, so you, were, you, were, you were telling me about that just yes. the other day. I was like, I'm fascinated. One, that this exists, and two, that people can go blowing. in there and like just start mining for their own diamonds. No, like, what do you bring your own pickaxe? I mean, how's this work? So no, it's just like in a field, and they till it up, and you basically just kind of kick the dirt around and, and look for diamonds. And so the reason I mentioned it to you is because I came across this article about this guy over Labor Day, and he found a nine carat diamond oh uh, while he was there with some friends. Kind of, you know, it's just like I guess a way to kind of spend the day. Kind of, oh, let's go to the uh, Diamonds State Park, kind of thing. <laughs> and I thought that was so cool, man, because evidently this is—it's a legit thing. People often find diamonds there. They're not—they're not always uh, record-setting size diamonds. You know, like nine carats is huge. Oftentimes they're a lot smaller. But it is not abnormal uh, for a person once a day from that park to, to find a diamond. And one of the big reasons I wanted to mention that to you is because I've told you before how I pay the girls to find these quote unquote trash treasures in our yard. Yeah. Uh, basically small, like little bits of old glass, you know, from years of people just kind of throwing their trash out of the house, I guess, instead of putting it in the trash can, which never made any sense to me. But there is a decent amount of glass and I don't want the kids cutting their feet on it. So anytime they find a tiny little piece of glass, they get paid a nickel. Little did I know that I was training them to find diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> this is your your new oh retirement. My like you, stop investing in in your uh, tax advantage We're retirement accounts. We're going to spend Matt. all of our days now at this diamonds state. Diamonds Crater State Park and it's in Arkansas so I actually haven't looked up exactly where it is but dude we're going like th- there's no doubt in my mind at some point in my life I'm going to go there and you know I'm going to be really disappointed if I don't leave there with at least like a two to three carat size diamond you know well, with your four kids in tow you guys all you know searching a- a- as hard as you can it's going to happen I feel like that's we're going to sweep the fields or we're going to comb it you know like <laughs> right. uh, space balls where they're like combing the desert exactly exactly, exactly. <laughs> a giant comb I feel, I feel like that's like one alternate uh, you know way to pay for retirement idea is like go to this diamond state park every day for like a year and, and just try to find your retirement through finding free diamonds there and then you know one other way is to hope your kid becomes a professional athlete someday i think you have a better chance of actually finding a diamond yeah you really <laughs> than might you do of your kid becoming a professional athlete with yeah. a with a massive sponsorship because that's how they make the big bucks yeah let's, that's, let's be honest that's true that's true <laughs> all right let's get to some more stories that we found interesting maybe more relevant week. stories i don't know i just thought that was really interesting though. It, it's super interesting it's totally <laughs> worth mentioning because it's fascinating one what you the guy, the diamond he found was worth something close to two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, like two, three hundred thousand dollars. That's crazy. Uh, you know, after it gets cut, uh, and yeah, it's yeah, mind blowing, dude. That is, that is. All right, so well, let's get to, to some updates on some previous stories that we've mentioned. Um, there's uh, kind of some new stuff happening in the stimulus deal sphere, and there was some optimism <laughs> earlier this week. I think on Monday there was some optimism. Yeah, Monday, Tuesday, I think folks were in pretty good spirits about uh, where things were headed. Now, but then Wednesday hit. <laughs> Not so much, right? Uh, so yeah, the the optimism about a stimulus deal is on hold. There's a chance um, that you know we might still see one in the coming weeks or months. So yeah, the the political game of football continues with the stimulus bill, and and much to the chagrin of many many people in our country, uh, small business owners, individuals who who are hurting right now um, and can't afford for you know the our politicians are are the people who have been elected to represent us going back and forth politically, um, and really it, it seems like it's on both sides. Both sides of the aisle are just not taking this seriously enough, um, and that's just kind of hard to sit back and watch, <laughs> it's, yeah. especially considering. Uh, the effect that it had in March, those direct stimulus checks in particular to people, the the PPP money that was made available for small businesses had a real impact, a real positive impact on the economy in a time when it needed it. And we're getting to that point again. And I, I don't know, I, I just hate seeing 
the, our politicians essentially standing by, uh, holding up their hands and making it seem like it's somebody else's fault. Yeah, it's dude, it's so political. And with it being so close to the election, I think there's I, I personally think there's little chance of anything actually passing before the election. But it's like stimulus bill whiplash because I mean, it's we're going back and forth as far as like, oh, it seems like it seems like it's going to happen. Oh, it's not actually going to happen. So hopefully we can kind of smooth the ride out a little bit for our listeners. And we will certainly keep our listeners posted uh, once there is real news and we know how that's going to affect our money. And another note, right, about the election and your money. Uh, earlier this week, we talked about this uh, in response to a question on Monday. But a new Vanguard analysis found that market returns are typically higher in an election year, uh, combined with the fact that there is less volatility, both 100 days prior and 100 days post-presidential elections. Obviously, every election is meaningful and has consequences, but it doesn't have much impact on our actual investments. So we wanted to take another opportunity to, to point to folks to, to essentially not worry about their money as it pertains to the election. Yeah, elections have consequences. I mean, we see that play out every day, and in particular when when a crisis hits, but they don't necessarily have an impact on our investments. And that Vanguard analysis was just helpful. Uh, again, it's just another reassurance that what happens on November 3rd just isn't going to have a major impact on the markets. And, and historically, there's there's actually less volatility than, than there typically is in a normal year. So bottom line, what, what we get from that is to keep investing as usual. Don't let the headlines sway you uh, into making any real changes with what you're doing in regards to investing. Yeah, this is a, a call to, to not invest more or less, right? <laughs> but just to keep doing what you've been doing. I mean, more is fine. In time, like if you want to keep it, if you want to put a higher percentage of, of your pay. But make sure you just you keep it there. Like don't try to invest more because you're trying to take advantage of maybe the market going up, yeah. right? Because of the election. Uh, well, another update as well, man, on a related note, you know, you now have until November 21st to claim your first stimulus check. You know, the, uh, the October 15th deadline for non filers, it was extended. So, for example, if you're a college student who didn't need to file taxes this year because last year you made less than $12,000, we're talking to you. And you can use the non-filer portal, which you can find on the IRS's website. We'll make sure to link to that page in our show notes. Yeah. Speaking of deadlines, by the way, Matt, tax filing deadline is October 15th, if anybody filed an extension. Bunch of deadlines coming up. A lot of deadlines. A lot of deadlines. Um, and so, yeah, a couple, couple more stories that we found interesting this week. Let's talk about online banks. Some of our favorite ones that we've mentioned many times, we like Ally, CIT, and Discover. They're all great. And there are other great ones too. There's a, a brand new Credit Karma checking account. It's worth checking out if you already have a savings account with Credit Karma. And the best thing about this new wave of neobanks, online banks, is, is that there are virtually no fees. And so, yeah, this Credit Karma offering, this new uh, combo of savings and checkings that they have uh, available, is just another one worth considering because the benefits are pretty great. Yeah, and we love no fees, man. Uh, also, it's been quite a while since we, we mentioned this, but Fitness Bank, that was recently recommended by a listener, Benjamin, and I'm pretty sure we've talked about it before, but you can earn high rates by taking more steps every day. It's kind of a nice incentive to stay healthy, right? And we realize this might be, you know, kind of more of a niche account, but if you are already measuring your steps, why not get paid? Why not earn more money by uh, kind of linking those accounts? I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, if you if that interests you, you can go to fitnessbank.fit and I think they're the best rate they're paying right now, and I hesitate to say it, Matt, because those rates it are could dropping change in 2 days. Every day, yeah, <laughs> right now at least uh, as of the time of this recording, 0.95% if you walk 12,500 steps every day. 
That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you can commit to that, then you can get paid. The thing is, I don't measure my steps at all, so I have no idea like how far that is. Like, <laughs> yeah. Is that a lot of steps? I, it must be. I think if, it is a if, good day. if it's their top tier. But yeah, if you're a, a serious walker or runner, go for it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, speaking of new accounts, Venmo launched its first credit card. I think this makes a ton of sense as as so many people use the platform already to send money to friends instead of using physical cash. Obviously, Venmo has just like massively grown in popularity, and one of its cool features is that instead of a a predetermined category of spending that gets a higher bonus, Venmo looks specifically at areas where you spend the most money. That's super cool. Yeah, and then it automatically applies that higher cash back percentage, which is 3%, where if you spent, let's say, $1,500 at a home improvement stores that month, you're going to get 3% cash back on specifically those purchases. Um, so it is And the money just shows up in your Venmo account like automatically, which is pretty cool. You it know, is cool. Like, you don't have to like actively go on there and redeem it, which you can sometimes forget to do. Yeah, but. yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I don't know. I still like kind of the straight up 2% cash back or some of the other credit cards that uh, maybe have uh, even higher rewards on areas where you know you're going to spend a whole lot typically. Like groceries, 6% baby. <laughs> exactly. Blue, blue cash preferred. I mean, it's Can't great. It. <laughs> it, it's great. It works. And and so, yeah, it, but it is interesting, especially if you use Venmo and you're looking for a new credit card option. I, I think it's definitely one worth considering. Totally. Yeah. And so uh, while the Venmo credit card is a great option, store or, or retail cards are still pretty terrible, man, <laughs> specifically because of the interest rate that they're charging. Um, you know, hopefully this shouldn't affect most of our listeners since they pay off their balances every month, right? Right, right, right listeners? They better. <laughs> but if maybe you forget or, or maybe you are furloughed and you can't make a payment that month, there's a chance you are going to be stuck paying a sky-high interest rate of 30%. And so in these cases, it's just best to avoid these store cards, you know? Avoid it like the Rona. You want to make sure to skip those altogether, Like dude. the Rona. Listen to you, like young the, and hip. Like the COVID. <laughs> I'm calling it coronavirus. I'm calling it Rona I'll, way more than I'm calling it COVID these are days. Are you? Okay. Yeah. I- Oh, yeah, it sounds more fun. <laughs> yeah, there's not much fun about these days though right now. But you got to f- try to find any sort of silver lining there you can. There are some silver linings. Yeah. And speaking of which, Matt, speaking <laughs> okay. of silver linings, like I think it's okay, I think for us to find things that are good in our lives about this time. I think we almost have to. Yeah. Yeah, you you have to. <laughs> it find, sounds weird, but you like you gotta look things. for those these these bright spots, right? Of course, of course. And and on that note, there was this interesting article in the Financial Times where one of their writers asked a specific question: Once you learn that you can do something cheaper, faster, and better at home, will you ever go back to paying someone else more to do it for you? I thought that was a great question. It made me do some thinking. And uh, there are things that we've all changed during the pandemic, right? She discusses in particular dyeing her hair at home that she's unlikely to go back to her old way of paying like 10 times the price to go get it done in a salon. And while you and I were all about taking the the frugal path, I guess the question is, do you think it'll last? Uh, What are your thoughts? Like, are there any changes that you've made in your life that you're like, there's no way I'm going back to to spending big bucks like I used to on something. I'm DIYing it uh, at home from here on out. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, that's the path that we're all about, right? I mean, and I'm a, I'm a pretty cheap guy. There's very few things that you know <laughs> that we're paying top dollar for. I'm thinking about how like I balayage Kate's hair. You know, like that's that that's the the fancy technique when it comes to to dyeing hair. Speaking of money, you can save. You know, at a salon. But you know, I think whether or not folks uh, stick with their frugal ways, I think a, a lot of it depends on the social factor. You know, we are we're creatures who crave community, and though we've been able to to figure things out on our own a little bit to a certain extent, right? Like we can look up tutorials on YouTube. We can have virtual hangs uh, via Zoom. I don't think that this is going to be a viable long-term substitute 
if the real thing is better uh, and if the real thing is now safe to resume, you know, if, if we're able to resume that activity, I don't necessarily feel that those frugal counterparts, those substitutes are going to stick around if it involves social interactions, right? And so I'm specifically thinking of like Atlanta United. We're, we're terrible this year. So actually, this is a great year for us to, to not attend matches in person. But Kate and I, we've gotten decent enjoyment out of watching matches on TV at home. It's saving us money. However, it doesn't replace going to an actual match yeah. and, and, and cheering might, you know cheering your team on with 50,000 other people. And so that's an example where as soon as it's safe to do so, uh, that's something that we're totally going to resume and we are willing to pay the money in order to do that. This is uh, an area uh, because of the the value that we're gaining from that, the cost is going to totally be worth it. Yeah, I completely agree. And and Matt, I'm like a hundred percent extrovert, so I agree. I think anything that I think the things that that I crave the most are interactions with my friends and people that I'm close to, sure. and just like hugs. I mean, <laughs> the fact that you can't <laughs> hug people is obviously. I think that's one of the hardest things um, about coronavirus. Is it, it well certainly what we or the Rona, as you say, the Rona. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's certainly what we f- have felt the most, right? Yeah. Like obviously, individuals have felt their their incomes affected by this, but I th- I think everybody has r- certainly realized and you know been affected by the fact that we you know the social limitations and restrictions that have been placed upon us. Sure. Like, I feel like that's the number one thing and even like strangers like waving and stuff with masks i don't know it's it, there's like a there's like this strange feeling even just when you see somebody walking around the neighborhood that normally you would introduce yourself to and and now you feel way less enthusiastic about right. about doing so but yeah i think there there are certain changes that we'll keep around after a vaccine is found and, and things start to look a little bit more like they did in the beginning of, of this year but the things i'll be looking to re-implement in particular are fun things that i love to do with other people yeah if it's an experience with friends, with family, yes. <laughs> those are the things that I'm going to bring back in spades and be willing to spend money on. Some of the other changes, I don't know, I might stick around. And I think some of them are good changes. Uh, they've been good for our family, even though there, there have been challenges, right? Sure, man. Yeah. And I mean, and all this to say as well, like we're not going to tell folks to, to not maintain their frugal ways. Like we are all about that. And a lot of reports have shown how many individuals, how many families have been able to pay down debts during this period of time you know, as they're spending less of their money. So I love that individuals are being a little more frugal, uh, but we'll, you know, we'll just have to see how that's going to affect us down the road once there is a vaccine on hand. So. See if that frugality sticks. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right, Matt. Well, we want to talk about socially responsible investing. Also known as ESG. G investing. Yes, we'll get to that after the break. We've actually partnered with Ally recently, and they've got some really smart people over there. Lindsay Bell, in particular, is somebody who has just like so much knowledge uh, on the the socially responsible investing ESG space, and we wanted to pick her brain. And so we'll chat with her right after this break. Jill, I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about. Getting your books together with, uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of. But it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000. 25 and 1. That's right. Yeah, 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 
25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. I got my first life insurance policy almost a decade ago. And hey, I'm still kicking it. I very much hope that trend continues, Matt. And since then, I've actually added coverage via Policy Genius. And if you out there, you're listening and you're worried that this is going to be a massive pain getting life insurance, think again. Policy Genius made it an incredibly easy process. If you have loved ones who rely on you and your income, life insurance is a crucial part of your financial plan. Not only does it provide a financial backstop for your family, it also gives you peace of mind too. Plus, the longer you wait, the more rates go up because life insurance rates typically increase as you get older. So if this is something you've been putting off, it's time to make it happen now. That's right. Yeah. And even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com.
All right, we're back from the break. And now it's time to talk about sustainable investing. We did a deep dive into socially responsible investing a while back on the show, but we're happy to talk with Lindsay Bell of Ally Invest, who has thought really deeply on this subject. So Lindsay, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So Lindsay, ESG or socially responsible investing, it's been quite a buzzword in the investing world over the last few years. Uh, and, and one in four investing dollars is now flowing into these funds. And Morningstar actually found recently that sustainable funds have outperformed conventional funds for the past few years and that they weathered the recent downturn uh, so much better than uh, other fund counterparts with fewer losses. So with all that being said, how should young investors, in your opinion, approach these funds considering those data points? Is, is there real merit to including those funds in our portfolio? Yeah, I definitely think there's real merit to including these funds in an investment portfolio, given the information that we know about investing in ESG or or sustainable investing at this point in time. The numbers speak for themselves. You just listed off some really great numbers there. Um, we've seen data from State Street that shows that investing in the ESG space has increased by more than a third to over $30 trillion between 2017 and 2019 which is a huge increase in just a couple of years. Um, the reason that, that these types of companies or investments uh, or funds should be included in a portfolio now is the way we think about it is these are the issues that are going to be very impactful to not only our society and our our countries, but also to the way that businesses operate successfully in the future. What we know now is that caring about the climate, caring about your employees, caring about the communities that you operate, make you a better operator as a corporation. And it also helps you think about your future from a longer term perspective. Um, so we hear a lot of times about uh, one of the gripes about the quarterly earnings cadence or, or public companies thought processes is that it's too short term. Well, thinking along the lines of ESG or sustainable in a sustainable way helps these sort of companies and their leaderships teams think longer term. And as an investor, you want to invest in a company that is 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 working to make their profits and operations much better over the longer term than just one quarter or two quarters. Right. Yeah. It's not about just making a quick buck. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so let, let's talk about too just the kind of companies that make up these different funds. Right. You know, the lack of including say oil companies in an ESG fund, for instance, like that makes sense. But uh, other companies like Facebook, they're typically included, and they kind of come with their own set of issues. You know, often related to to privacy, to personal data. What are the key metrics behind which companies will you know qualify for ESG designation in a portfolio? There still lacks clarity around what are the key metrics that designate a company or a fund as, as ESG in particular. And there's a lot of companies out there right now, like Morningstar for one, MSCI, Thomson Reuters, and others that give these companies uh, ESG ratings, usually on a scale of zero to 100, that can help you determine how sustainable uh, a company's operations are. 
But the reality is that ESG metrics are just not a common part of mandatory financial reporting. So t- sometimes it's it's hard to figure out. And because they're more qualitatively driven than quantitatively driven, it's hard to assess just simply on your own how sustainable or ESG friendly a company is. Uh, and the other thing that, that kind of makes it difficult to determine uh, how ESG friendly a company is, is that a lot of those metrics, those companies that offer for those metrics, uh, you have to pay for them. So they're not necessarily always readily available to the retail investors. So your normal folks like you and I, if we want to figure this out, it can't be, it's not that easy. Now, companies in general have done a much better job of making their stance on ESG more transparent. For example, Ally Financial, the company that I work for, is like several other companies that annually releases a report. They're called CRS reports. Um, so, so what they do is they go into their uh, social responsibility and they talk about it from you know a community perspective, an employee perspective, um, a climate change perspective, a diversity perspective. And you can look at those uh, and you can find them on their investor relation websites usually. And you can dig through them and it gives you a better feel for what they're doing to serve the causes that they, they care about and what, what impacts are most important to them. But you got to roll your sleeves up and do a little work to figure out how ESG friendly some of these companies are. I love that it is helping keep companies accountable, at least to a certain extent, right? That they that they are having to release information to let people know like how they're handling some of these issues that are important to investors. Uh, at the same time, sometimes there's a, a question of whether or not investing in a socially responsible way has the impact that we're hoping for as investors, right? M- most people tend to agree that where we spend our dollars is more important for driving change than where we actually invest them. So, so Lindsay, does investing in diversified ESG funds actually make a meaningful difference for for those factors that we're talking about? Yeah, I mean, that's that's another age-old question, too, when it comes to ESG investing. But I think investing in companies that are concentrating on one or more of these criteria, whether it's environmental, social governance, you know, by offering your support and investing in these companies, it, it helps them to realize that they're making more of an, of an effort than just focusing on profitability. They're seeking to drive positive impacts for their communities, their countries, internally with employees and, and and, and to better position themselves for the future. Um, so, you, like I said, you got to do your homework, but it's no wonder that 85% of investors and 95% of millennial investors uh, are interested in sustainable investing as of 2019. It's because uh, you also get that added benefit, not just the return on your investment and in, in, in the particular stock or fund that you invest in, but also it gives you that return of feeling good about the investments that you do own. And of course, this doesn't necessarily have to represent your entire portfolio, of course. But like I said, more and more research is showing that companies that do focus on these issues are able to become more profitable and they they do see better or at least competitive investment returns. Right. Well, yeah. So on that note, you know, you, you mentioned ROI. Uh, and returns. Let's talk about the performance too. You know, what does the data tell us about the the returns that investors are getting by investing their money in ESG funds versus their their non ESG counterparts? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, Morningstar put out a report and these ESG funds were able to to outperform the market and they were able to sustain the downturn in the market that we just saw better than other companies have had. And that's because what we have seen is, is that having an ESG focus has resulted in mitigated risk on the downside uh, and reduced volatility in general for investments like this. So that way you can achieve sustainable returns over the longer term. It might say perhaps prohibit the upside to some extent. It's similar to the way I think about it is, you know, if you invest in a portfolio of 60% equities, 40% fixed income, which is your standard portfolio uh, that that a traditional financial advisor would tell you to invest in, uh, the reason you have the fixed income component is to to shield you on the downside, um, though it may uh, limit some of your upside risk. It, It feels the same with ESG investments, although like we like the Morningstar report shows, these ESG investments were able to outperform in the most recent downturn and upswing. And I think part of that is due to their exposure to the technology sector, which you guys kind of alluded to previously. It's, it's a little bit of a questionable exposure that, that a lot of these funds have because technology, while they're not uh, creating the carbon emissions necessarily of, of some of the big energy or utility companies that are leaving massive carbon footprints, they do have their own privacy issues, diversity issues. Um, there's many ethic concerns that come up, especially when you think of names like a Facebook, for example. But like I said, ESG investing can be subjective, but it has been proven to reduce volatility and mitigate risk. Uh, in periods of uncertainty. Lindsay, what about the the expenses when it comes to, to ESG funds? It seems like they've been coming down quite a bit, uh, but they're, they're still higher than, than a whole lot of the total stock market index funds, let's say, that are out there. So, so how should investors think about the expense ratio in, in a potential fund when they're trying to make that choice? Yeah, I mean, the expense ratio has to absolutely be something that you take into consideration with any investment, not just ESG. They have come down, but it's something that we definitely have to keep an eye on. I know we have a robo-advisor portfolio that is ESG focused, and it's something that we're constantly researching potential new opportunities because some of the funds in there might have a little bit of a higher fee than some of the, you know, S&P or large large cap, mid cap, uh, normal indices that we're trying to, to benchmark against. When, you, when you're thinking about ESG, there is a little bit of a premium that you're going to have to pay. But again, that could be worth it given, given the upside potential. The other thing that I would suggest investors uh, consider when they're looking at ESG as well as any other investment, but ESG more in, in particular, because it is a a newer trend, especially from an ETF perspective, uh, you want to look for ETFs uh, or mutual funds that have a longer history behind their back and also have uh, a decent amount of volume because the last thing you want to do is buy into one of these instruments and not be able to sell out of it when you're when you're ready to. So those are also a couple other things that need to be taken into consideration when when investing in uh, ESG funds in particular. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me. 
All right, Matt, tons of helpful information, I feel like, in that conversation with Lindsay. Yeah. And sustainable investing is just like an interesting space uh, in the investing world. So yeah, fun to cover that today. All right, that's going to be it for this episode. For people who want show notes uh, for this episode, just go to our website at howtomoney.com. And if you have not yet left us a review, we would love it if you did. Head to Apple Podcasts and, and leave us a solid review over there. And make sure that you're just subscribed wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. Otherwise, man, that's going to be it. We hope everyone enjoys their weekend. And buddy, until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Upswell Marketing would like to remind listeners that most people don't belong to two gyms. They don't see two dentists or trust two auto repair shops. So when customers choose your small business over your competitors, they're really choosing you. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads. And in fact, that formula and media mix has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. And new customers receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the, the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you.